0: fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever and with fishing booker you can experience it too no matter where you are discover your next adventure on fishing booker
1: and welcome back to another episode of tie chases podcast where every week we connect our listeners with someone in the fishing industry whether it be a captain charter, plug builder, bait and tackle shop, uh, rod builder, lure makers, or even one of our local sharpies. Uh, Before we introduce our guests, I'd like to introduce you our co-host Bobby onto the show. What's up, Bob? What's going on, Qua? I don't know. You're in a different location today. You're somewhere out in the middle of no man's land. In the middle of Hancock, New York, looking out at the pretty Delaware River. Well, lucky you. You get to stare out there and jump in your drift boat whenever you want. Yeah.
2: It's also goose season open today, so there's a lot of geese out there that I might go chase. Oh, that sounds fun. Goose, we'll and, go find out. Goose and trout. Best
1: way to do it. Gas and blast. My favorite. All right. Well, I mean, Bobby's actually on vacay, but uh, since he knew this guest was coming on today, Bobby definitely said he wanted in. I was like, I can handle it by myself. Bobby was like, no, I want in on this. <laughs> I was like, all right. So Bobby's in on this one. So uh, one last thing before we bring our guests on to, uh, since it has to do with the species we are covering today. If you guys get the opportunity to uh, jump, Today, please jump on the uh, ASGA. That's the American Saltwater Guides Association, and uh, help sign the letter we have going on there to help raise the awareness about the uh, the false albacore management. You know, they are game fish. I know a lot of people don't harvest them, but we want to figure out how to way to uh, help manage them. You know, because captains uh, up and down the shore they use the species um, as you know. They make money off being guides, charters, bait and tackles make plenty of money when these when these uh, little tunies run in. So help us out, fill it fill it out, sign it up, and then um. See where it runs from there. With that being said, uh, our guest today, he's a Jersey native, has been chasing these fat Alberts for a very long time, whether it be on foot, kayak, and just recently on boat. Uh, let me introduce you guys to our guest today, Matt Farrow. How are you doing, Matt? I'm good. How are you? Good, man. Good, man. Fishing season is just about to kick around the corner. You know, the month of September is when we start hunting these little fat footballs.
3: Yeah. Uh, I mean, fishing season never ends, but no. season for them, yeah.
1: Yeah, Cool. All right. So, uh, me and Bobby's not that much experience with this. We tried many and multiple times and failed plenty of times compared to our successes, but, uh, we'll, we'll get into that and see how, how it's done the right way. Uh, so let's start a little bit about your background, you know, your fishing career, early
3: memories,
1: influences, you know, like what made you the angler you are today?
3: Um, so I fished my whole life, uh, with my father, mostly like my family, we had a boat growing up. Um, so I always fished on a boat. Um, I think I was probably maybe in like fifth grade, like the first time I fished the surf, um, you know, caught a couple of real small bass or whatever, but that, that is probably my most memorable trip as a child. I mean, I remember it like it was yesterday. Uh, I wrote an article about it for a uh, Surfcasters journal and uh, I've made some posts about that. You know, I think that's what really, got me really hooked and like really, you know, changed my life. Gotcha.
1: And is that the reason like we always see you posting videos and like photos of like your kids, your your nieces, your nephews, stuff like that. Some of your photos are like incredible, showing like the 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 smiles on these kids' faces, the action they're getting into, especially your son, you know, you you've gotten him into some really good fishing.
3: <laughs> yeah, he uh he's addicted. Like there's no other way to put it. Like he's He studies it. He watches videos. He's constantly asking questions, like to the point where sometimes it almost gets like a little annoying. (laughs) Uh, But I mean, I I wouldn't I wouldn't change that. You know, Uh, that's
1: not a bad thing. That's like literally a minute of you in his age. If you you keep embedding this into him and the knowledge that he keeps requesting, just imagine the type of fisherman he'd be when he's up to like your age.
3: Oh, he'll far surpass me. I mean, I surpassed my father and I expect him to surpass me. Um, you know, my father was, he was by the book. He, you know, if it was legal though, we kept it. There was no such thing as catch and release. Mm-hmm. Um, he was like a weekend fisherman or, you know, so I kind of kicked it up a little bit from there. Gotcha. Yeah, definitely.
1: Yeah. I've seen, I've quite a few videos of your son and he's got the form he's got he's got it going on it's it's going to happen he's going to be that teenager that's just gonna might forget girls and just be slaughtering fish every week yeah which which is which is fine
3: (laughs) he's gonna be he's gonna be a boat partner guaranteed yeah yeah my my daughter likes it too but she likes to catch she either wants to drive fast on the boat or she wants to be catching she doesn't like the The in between her fishing part yeah yeah gotcha so you
1: recently became a boat owner uh beautiful contender though that that thank you it's one of my dream boats too i'm just like every time i see it out there i'm just like geez that boat uh but you were you always a boat? well you did say you were always a boat guy in your family but you know you did you did you ever
3: were like pretty much hardcore surf caster, too yeah so um i've always fished any way i could i'm not one to say like boat fish don't count or you know boat kayak surf uh free diving however it's just any way I can get to the fish. Mm. Um, I had a boat growing up until I was maybe like 17, 18, till we, you know, the boat got put aside and never put back into the water. Um, So it wasn't until last year, I was in a position to buy my own boat. Um, All my friends had boats and I was always fine going on trips with them. But as my kids got older and they wanted to go, it really pushed me into it's time to get our own. Uh, when they're really little, they would come on the kayaks with me and my wife. But like you said, with my son, like he's into it. Like I can't surf launch my kayak to go get Albies or big bass with him on the front of my kayak. So like yeah. the boat really, you know, helps get them out there. Gotcha.
1: I mean, I I mean, I knew I started following you and knew you as a super incredible kayak fisherman before all this, because you're that guy that I always here, when boats are out there catching fish, you're that kayak, that kayaker that's in the middle of the fleet, running around, nabbing big bass, nabbing albies, you know, taking that shot at it, trying to get a bluefin on a kayak. You know, you're that guy. So I started following you a long time ago, and you know, as a kayak fisherman, did you were an incredible kayak fisherman at that time too?
3: Thank you, thank I mean, you. Yeah, like I said, it, to me, it was it was just another tool in the arsenal. Yeah. I mean, if I could catch fish from the beach. I'd be fishing from the beach. There's no point in loading all that extra gear. Uh, yeah. But there's a lot of times you can't. And without having my own boat, and you know, the kayak's a one-time investment. I mean, the boat—I mean, you know, the maintenance, the fuel, the slip fees, and all that. Like the kayak, you, you buy it once, and then you just just go whenever you want. Um, so, like I said, it, it was just just another tool in the arsenal. And I, I still have them. I don't I don't use them as much, but uh, I do still have them, and I'm and I'm not getting rid of them. Yeah, a lot gonna, of people have approached me to sell them, but I'm I'm not getting rid of them.
1: Yeah, I was going to ask. like, do you still drop the yak in once in a while, just to get? So you I know? I
3: did, I did this spring. Um, I wanted to keep my boat up north for the bass, but I just I couldn't afford like a second slip fee. Um, so I, I kayaked up north uh, a little bit this spring, and I, I haven't touched them since. I mean, you next mean, spring, you, go the go ahead. Bob.
2: Kayak is also a money suck because every time I'm in the kayak and I go in the surf. I'm losing something. Something's going overboard, whether it be a rod or 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 a pair of pliers or something. I've always lost something. I've never well, my brother actually flipped his in the surf one time and lost everything, which was a disaster. But it's the reason I don't do it too much because I've always messed up or lost something.
3: yeah, so i I leash everything. Like a lot of people don't like rod leashes because they say they get in the way. Like I'd rather be a little inconvenienced and lose you know a four or five hundred dollars setup or whatever um so my rod le- my rods are attached attached with like paddle leashes my paddle's leashed my drive is leashed my pliers are leashed my lip grippers are leashed everything is leashed so i can roll my kayak five times and nothing would actually sink good advice definitely good advice for those guys out there
1: yeah but the spring run at rarity you should get your boat up there if you know if anything talk to chris the slip that we're at uh, right
3: dude it's really good
1: and they, they only charge you for three months and then
3: it's, yeah it's, so yeah. i i had talked to him about it and that was the only one i would be able to afford mm-hmm. um but a lot of times i'm fishing before work or whatever and yeah. i couldn't risk uh that floodgate
1: oh yeah that floodgate. that's the that's only it's,
3: and I, I know it's it doesn't close often and if you know your tides and stuff you're okay it just i don't know i know there's not a lot of water at low tide and, yeah uh, and you, you do have you know, extreme good. high tides you got the floodgate closing so yeah
1: eh, i guess there's the, it gives and the goes or that right
3: <laughs> yeah but i i, I might ne- i
1: might next year we'll see okay well i mean before we get to the good stuff the podcast um what are your some of your favorite species to target like your favorites
3: um so I mean, really, it's so hard. My son asked me this too. My son asked me questions like that. Like, it's so hard to pick because, I mean, I love tuna fishing. My first trip was like probably 10, 12 years ago now. But the last couple of years, I've really gotten to go a lot and we got more into like the jig, pop, and chunk thing. Like, I love tuna fishing, but it's really dependent on conditions and it's expensive. So I can't do it as much as I would like. Um, I'll always love bass fishing, you know, striped bass. Um, that's like a special place in my heart. Uh, and Albies, I mean, ever since I caught my first one, like offshore, they're a nuisance. I want no part of them offshore. Uh, but when they're in close and you can get them from the surf or the kayak or in the boat on like light gear, uh, they drive me nuts. Like they drive me crazy.
1: You're saying so when you're out there tuna fish jigging for them and they just they just come out of nowhere and start grabbing all your jigs yeah so, I mean, annoying. so
3: yeah so the guys i fish with uh we don't none of them really troll anymore but when we, they would troll uh you get like lit up by albies it's just frustrating they're not even fun on that heavy gear mm-hmm. um same thing when you know you're you're ripping jigs and you feel a hit and you think it's a bluefin or yellowfin and it's it's an albie uh and like i said on that heavier gear they're just they're just not as fun and you're spending all that money to go out there like you're you're tuna fishing yeah um it's probably how some people feel with bluefish when they're bass fishing you know like you get a, a big blow up on top and oh it's a bluefish <laughs> you know uh i guess it's kind of similar to that
1: pretty much but then when you, when you when you're specifically going out to target like 15 pound bluefish it's a whole different story now you're waiting for that right. big explosion
3: on top one right like i i love bluefishing but like if i'm live lining bunker pods I don't want bluefish chewing up the bunker. Like I'm cursing them, you know, mm. like, but in the Bay in the spring, when you're throwing like single hook poppers for those big bluefish, I love yeah. it. You exactly. know?
1: Like you don't want, you don't want a big bluefish out there when you're throwing like your $30 freaking plugs out there. You know, you, you rather right. them go smacking you like $10 cheapo that they could destroy, like for all we care.
3: Yeah. I, I've thrown some really expensive plugs to bluefish intentionally <laughs> just because like, like the uproar on social media <laughs> yeah um you know but uh c- certain things I, I won't throw i won't even chance
1: yep exactly so uh we also noticed that uh, you're a big time fly guy like you know me and bobby here on the podcast um do you prefer to pick up the fly rod as much as possible or pretty much
3: nowadays spin is your preferred style so it's i love fly fishing i i joined the atlantic saltwater fly Rodders when i was back in middle school and that's where I learned how to cast and how to tie flies. Um, I graduated in 06. So middle school was, you know, I don't know, 20 years ago, something like that. Um, maybe a little more. Uh, so I enjoy tying. I enjoy catching on things I tied. Um, but it's, I don't have to catch fish on the fly. Like I'm not fly obsessed. Um, I like to, but I, like I said, I just want to catch fish. Like to me, it's another tool in the arsenal. Like certain times the fly fish is better. Um, but, uh, it's on the boat a lot, but it doesn't always come out. Yeah. Have you done, have you done the tuna one on yet A fly yet? No. So I, I bought a 14 weight, uh, sage for a really good price. Um, and then ended up selling it for like almost exactly what I paid for. it. I was like, you know what? Like, I'm going to have to do that on my own boat with someone else that's fly fishing, like my, my buddies that I fish with, like, they don't want to wait for me a half hour to land a fish and every, everyone else on the boats like waiting for me as I'm like circling the boat with a fly rod. Uh, and I just, you know, honestly, I, I want to hook one on the fly. I don't know if I want to fight one on the fly.
1: I mean i mean you can always call me and bobby we'll sit there and clap and like hold, hold and then and hold signs <laughs> for you if you hook into a bluefin on a 12 weight we'll circle we'll circle around for three
3: hours waiting for you to land that fish we'll, yeah, we'll give you back yeah. revs until you land it <laughs> uh and and honestly that that 14 weight i bought uh it was more like a 12 and i think uh anything over like 50 pounds would have really gave me a run for my money so i think if i'm really going to do that i i really need to invest in uh the right setup gotcha
1: but i mean how would it feel though like landing that 50 50 60 bluefin on a on a on a fly rod that's that's like that's like top tier top oh incredible yeah exactly
3: uh you know it's just it's dedication i mean you gotta you gotta find a lot of you gotta really put time into that you know you see fish or fish are being caught jigging or whatever you have to be willing to possibly not catch any to stick with that I mean, I'm going tuna fishing. and I just, I just want to catch them.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I just actually, I, an hour ago, I watched that, uh, that one video of you'd made on, um, on YouTube of the, uh, the
3: double up of the, uh, while you guys were ghost hunting in December. In December. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah. was last December. That was, uh, that was an awesome bite. You know, the GoPro is like a wide angle lens. Yeah. So it looks further away than it was. I mean, that, my fish ate at the boat i mean i was about to take the popper out of the water when it when it smoked it dude
1: i couldn't imagine two guys hooked up on a even even your boat's big but like two guys hooked up on like like 50s and 60s running around in circles around the boat i couldn't imagine how you guys managed without getting wrapped up on each other
3: it's insane yeah i mean i'm fortunate like the guys i fish with are they're good fishermen you know what Mm -hmm. i mean so it's you don't have to instruct anyone like everyone just knows what to do and that that definitely helps that definitely helps i'll tell you a story a little bit later about someone not knowing what they're doing and <laughs> and the problem with that
1: <laughs> well, those, are, those are our best stories but uh, okay. all right all right let's kick this episode off a notch and get into this whole albie fever thing we're all obsessed with because we definitely are obsessed with it uh how'd you get into albie fishing where was your first one
3: uh so when i started kayak fishing uh there used to be a, a store and like a forum called kayak fishing stuff um and that forum is where I learned, like, everything about kayak fishing. And, I mean, this is probably going back uh, maybe, like, 15 years. Um, and I had never surf launched before. And guys used to post up, like, hey, I'm going fishing here or whatever. And guys posted about launching at a beach in North Jersey, target, target false albacore. I never even – I didn't know anything about the fish. I didn't know what they looked like. So, I, like, looked them up. Um, you know, I was probably – like 18 19 years old and all these guys were in their 30s 40s you know um they invited me along I looked them up I'm like oh they look like little tuna you know and at this point I don't think I ever caught tuna before either um so I met up with them one morning the ocean was flat as a lake it's one of the easiest surf launches I've ever done it was like launching into the bay um (laughs) and I brought a I brought my nine foot surf out on the kayak, which anyone that kayak fishes knows that's a horrible idea. You know, it's got a long butt. It's real long. But I, I knew people talked about these fish like scream in line. And I didn't think any of like my boat setups could handle them. I just I was like in panic mode. I just didn't know what to do. So I brought that uh, Hear guys on the radio hooking up here and there, and I'm not seeing anything Then I finally see them blitzing flying out of the water, you know, ripping through the water. And, uh, I saw that like four or five times and couldn't hook up before finally I got bit, uh, about three miles off the beach all by myself. First surf launch, you know, um, and I was stoked. It was hard to get in the boats. Like I said, I had a nine foot rods and trying to bring that fish close to me. Uh, but I got it. I took, you know, a crappy cell phone picture. It was, like I said, it was almost 15 years ago. Um, (laughs) And, uh, I think I ended up getting, I dropped, I dropped another one cause I wasn't ready for it to turn around and charge at me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just couldn't keep up with it. Um, and then I remember on my way in, it was probably like half a football field blitz of them Jeez. just flying out of the water everywhere. I mean, I got on the radio to call my buddies, like, you know, right off the beach, hurry up, get here, get here. Like not realizing that they disappear just as quick as they show up. Uh, and I didn't get one out of that, but seeing like 40, 50 fish at a time, just ripping through bait and flying out of the water. Like, and that was it from that point on. That's all I wanted to do.
1: 15 years ago, where were the, were the kayaks pedal drive yet?
3: Hobbies? Yeah. I had a Hobie. I had a Hobie sport, which was like their smallest oh, one, the small one, yeah. um, which I was like at like my size limit for that kayak. I just, I got a really good deal on it. Um, but uh, I'll tell you what, it was great in the surf, being so small, like able to handle it in the waves. Like, mm-hmm. I actually really liked it. And uh, my buddy bought it for me for his wife, and she still uses it to this day. Nice.
1: Now, people always wonder, like, is this albie fever as bad as people say it is? Because for us, for, for Bobby, we know how bad it is. I know how bad it is. I'll drop whatever I'm doing if I hear of an albie bite up north, and I'll literally run up there and run up and down the beach for miles trying to find that one breaking fish or something or even an opportunity to chase them.
3: Yeah. Um, like I said, I mean, seeing those first blitzes of them, because uh, it's not just like little splashes on top, you know, mm-hmm. they rip through the water and they're flying out of the water. Um, you know, like I said, I, the first time I saw that I was, I was done. That's all I wanted to do. Um, and uh, you know, in the kayak, which is actually like my favorite way to catch them. I'd rather catch them in the kayak than the boat or the surf. Um, they fight you like little tuna. You know, they dive down, they're circling under you. They're going from one side of the boat to the other side of the boat. Um, you know, and you're using light leader. So, cause they're leader shy. So you're using lighter gear uh, and they're, they're a blast. You know, they're just, they're just a lot of fun to catch.
1: Yeah, like, that's what I was going to ask you. Why do you think it's so addicting though? Like for most people, like, is it, you think it's the, the because how hard it is? to find, land, and catch one? Or is it just the, the pure adrenaline and, like, overall
3: power of them? I, I think it's a combination. Um, you know, they could be real tough. Like, some years, they're everywhere, and you catch a bunch of them, and some years, you barely see any at all. Um, sometimes they're blitzing all over the place, and you can't buy a bite. I mean, I'll go down, to like, 14-pound fluoro, and, like, the smallest metal I can cast or soft plastic, and can't buy a bite. So I think that's, like... That's part of it. And another part, it's like, it's fast paced, you know, you're running and gunning and they're, like I said, they're flying out of the water and you fire off a cast and they're a hundred yards in another direction. And, uh, you know, it's, it's exciting. It's exciting fishing. Yeah. That's what it is for me too. It's like,
2: I always refer to them as like bugs bunny. I don't know if you've ever seen that where bugs bunny like pops up over here and then he pops up over here and then he pops up over here and that's, you're on the boat and you're just chasing them. And I've never been good at it. I always – well, maybe I'm just too impatient because you're supposed to get in front of them and do all these things, turn the motor off, and it's like I see them over there, and then I run after them, and then they're gone. And then I see them over there, yeah. and I run after them, and they're gone, and right? And I just – I've never had the patience or success for it, but it is a fun thing to do because of that fast-paced energy and how quickly they're moving about and getting away from you. And maybe every once in a while they show up right next to you, and you're not even ready. You're not even prepared for yeah. it, And There they
3: are, right? Yeah. So I, I've learned not to take chase as much. I mean, sometimes you have to, um, uh, but when they're just kind of popping up randomly, a lot of times if you wait, like they'll come to you and you'll get a shot at them. You just like, even when I'm running the boat or the kayak or whatever, I have my line on my finger on my line and my bail open, like running the boat with the rod out the side, like ready to cast. Uh, cause so, like I said, sometimes you see two or three and they're quick. Um, I mean, we catch plenty blind casting too, but I mean you want to cast to that blitz. Like that's like the exciting part, you know? Um, but I've I've ran up and down the beach, like waiters, bag, running. Uh, and I've I've learned not to do that.
1: <laughs> I mean, that takes years of experience because that's I mean, that's how most of us learn in the beginning, right? You run, you run. As soon as you see one pop up, you're you are sprint a hundred yards down the beach. You get there, you make the first cast and they drop. They're gone and then, yeah, they're, and then they're, they're
3: and then they're where you just left exactly they're where you just ran yeah i mean don't, don't get me wrong i still do that sometimes but not <laughs> not every time i see them like i used to
1: and, and then a lot of people don't realize that sometimes when they pop up like that they're they're, they, they're their their eyes are so keyed in on the bait that they won't even give you a thing a different look like last season i we were up there with you guys up there and literally they were frothing all over our boat and we were throwing everything at them and they would not touch anything
3: yeah, it's not, sometimes they do. Um, sometimes I feel like the more I see, like the more fish I see, the less I catch. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, or if there's clouds and clouds of bait, sometimes they're, they're tough to get to bite. Um, but uh, I mean, I, I've, I have a couple things that have, have helped me with that over the years or have seemed to have helped. Um, but the biggest thing is to just relax. Yeah. Got to relax. So, um, let's see. So usually when's
1: the beginning algae season? Like, is it, do you think it's, a, it's temperature dependent, bait dependent? Like, like what are you looking for that determines when you should start targeting?
3: Um, so that depends if it's like in the boat or in the surf. Uh, I think the earliest I ever caught one from the surf, like not just seeing, like actually caught one from the surf, uh, was probably like August 30th or 31st. Um, but usually it's more September, October, um, the end of summer into fall, if you're willing to run off seven, eight miles, uh, you can catch them pretty consistently, but as far as for that, like real close inshore, having them from the surf, I mean, your best bet, September into October. Um, and I don't, I don't know about water temperature all that much because it seems to be like the time of the year. It's like, they know what time it is. Mm -hmm. Um, because I mean, this year the water's been pretty cold with all the south wind, like in close. Yeah. And uh, I've heard of some popping up in closer. I haven't really gone looking yet, but there's some around. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Cause we've always, I mean, as long as we've been doing this, we always know last week, August, start digging for your metals, right? Start pulling out our epoxies, right. swapping out all the hubs, getting set. Because in the next two, three weeks, we know it's going to blow up. We just don't know what day. We're just, we're just kind of waiting for, you know, the first signs of them. Um, so, I mean, so, so our listeners mostly today is probably going to be dividing two groups of Albie anglers. They're going to be the shore guys and then pretty much the boat guys and the kayak guys all together. So we'll try to help both as best as possible because, you know, Matt, he does them both. So he has experience on both of them. So he'll try to cover as much as he can for you guys. So let's start with the tackle. Um, let's start with the tackle for the surf guys first. I mean, I'm assuming the tackle for the surf guys is kind of close to the boat guys, except, The only difference is probably shorter rods for the boat and kayak guys. And then the
3: shore based guys will be longer rods, right? Right. So a lot of guys will use like the same stuff, like Mm -hmm. seven, seven and a half foot rods. Uh, You know, the lighter gear, which is a lot more fun. But uh, I'm not saying that I'll outfish anyone. But there's a lot of times where I was catching when other people weren't because I was using a 10 foot rod. Uh, It's rated one to three. And it's more like a half to two rod. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's pretty light. Um, But I mean, it throws like a one and a half ounce metal uh, way further than someone can throw a seven and a half foot rod. And there's a lot of times I get a bite at the end of my cast. Um, And there's been times up at like a super popular North Jersey spot Mm -hmm. where I might've caught two or three and I only saw like one other one caught. And it has to be the distance because... I know my fish came at the end of my cast and everyone else is using like seven and a half, seven foot, eight foot rods, uh, which is great when they're close, but if they're not, you know, then you're, then you're out of luck.
1: Yeah. You gotta be able to reach them because if that, that extra 30 yards, you know, 20, 30 yards is going to matter. Like you said, if it's at the end of your
3: cast. Right. And I, I really like fishing the beginning of a nor'easter forum uh, just like you would Stripe bass or anything mm-hmm. and now you're talking about punching something into the wind yeah um so that extra length on the rod really makes a difference i mean i wouldn't use you know like an 11 foot two to five rod or anything that you're using like for throwing plugs to bass yeah um but you know like i said that it's that 10 foot it's one to three but like i said i'm going to call it like half to two and a half that that rod's awesome for them yeah mm-hmm.
1: uh, line wise anything in particular? smaller diameter um, better
3: casting distance or? Obvi- yeah I, I mean lighter braid you're casting further uh i don't go over 20 pound fluoro uh for a liter for them mm-hmm. and i don't go any lighter than like 14 or 16 like i, I usually just stick with 20 okay. so uh 20 pound braid um just for casting distance really
1: and then leader wise, it's dependent, right? If they're, if they're shot line shy that day, if they're not line shy that day, or you have, right. kind of, so or, I, do you, or do you kind of have one that you just kind of stick to?
3: I just kind of stick to 20. Um, mm-hmm. if, if I'm seeing a lot and I'm really not getting a bite, I might go down to 14 or 16. I know guys that call it down to like 10 or eight. Um, but then you have more trouble landing them, you know? Yeah. Um, and I mean, You don't want to keep breaking them off because that gets expensive. Um, I'd rather take my shot at getting one bite and landing it than getting like three bites and maybe not landing any of them. Um, You know, because you got to put some pressure on them in the surf, especially if you're fishing a bunch of guys. Mm -hmm. Uh, You don't want them all over the place. Yeah.
1: You don't, you don't want that fish walking you down the beach, running into like nine lines or something like that. Right. And they
3: cool. will even like, even with 20 pound leader, I mean, they will a little bit, but you have a little bit more control over someone that's using like eight or 10. Yeah. And especially with the hook set. I mean, uh, I've used lighter leader like fly fishing and I, I've broken so many off on the hook set. Cause you just,
1: Strips you know, at so you hard. strip set
3: them yeah. and they turn and go to run and before the line's even out of your hand, you're, you're popped off. Yeah.
1: Alright, so got, so we got the line, the rods, leader-wise, lures. Kind of important for some people. What are your top
3: three, though, like you love to throw? You're, you're gonna laugh. So, you know, A-OK Tackle uh, mm-hmm. made, made in Pennsylvania by Steve Adams. Yeah, The one-ounce T-Hex, the one-and-a-half-ounce T-Hex, and the two-ounce T-Hex. Always will be my top three. Wow. Um, not the epoxy jigs, you know, the T-Hex. Uh, hmm. They're more shiny than like a regular ava you know they're Mm -hmm. like six sided uh they have eyes i don't know if that makes a difference or not some people think it does um and i put a plain hook on the back like they come with a bucktail or a tube i swap that out for a plain hook mostly for casting distance and profile wise i want the smallest profile possible Uh, um, but in the surf that one and a half is is my favorite it's like short and fat and it just it casts like a, a rocket
1: that, that's totally that's totally left field because you know i always hear guys talking like oh you need to bring all the colors you need green nope. you need paint you nope. need white like all the it, it's all different size all different profiles you got to bring them all because you don't know what they're going to eat
3: that day i mean everyone's a creature of habit and i'm sure if they're being really really finicky an epoxy jig might get a, a bite before the metal will it's just more realistic looking but again, they're not, they're not casting as far. And in the surf, at least in Jersey, you know, up I in, know up in like New England and stuff, it's a little different. Um, but in Jersey, like sometimes that distance is key. And if, if I'm casting even 10 yards for that might be the difference between a bite or not. So I take it you're not using a teaser either. No, 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 and no, no hardware at all. Uh, like an Albright knot to like a lengthy piece of leader, hmm. I direct in the metal. Yeah, no. no extra knots no teaser and I, I know guys that use teasers and catch them on teasers but the less hardware the better and yeah. I, I don't want a double header of them if they swim in opposite directions they'll probably break each other off well obviously that's that, a that's that would...
2: a risk i'd be willing to take but <laughs> um
3: it's a little, uh, little unconventional what
2: you just said because i'm all about the teaser and the epoxy jigs that's like if i hear Albi, yeah, and, i'm
3: going for and i i mean i'd say half the guys that fish for them fish that way uh i just like the single lure and You know, I've I've caught enough that way to where I just I stick with it. And so you you're throwing it out,
2: you're throwing your hex out all the way you can as far as possible. Are you retrieving it? And anything special? Because I've heard guys that say fast is not fast enough.
3: Um. So I'm casting as far as possible if I'm seeing them that far, or if I'm blind casting. But I mean, obviously, if I see them closer, I'm sure throwing it in closer. Yeah. Right. Um. Or right behind them. Uh, well, right past them, not behind them, right past them. Um, I let it sink for a little bit uh, just a few seconds before I start retrieving it and then I'm pretty much ripping it in. broad um, tip down so the the metal's not coming out of the water. I would like it you know, subsurface. Um, and I'm ripping it. I mean sometimes I'm using a 150 like a Vanyl 150 and that real slow. So mm-hmm. like my arm hurts afterwards because you gotta, you know, make up for it but um like the Daiwa ballistic is one of my favorites to use for because it's fast so I mean you put a steady pace on that reel and it's it's moving pretty quick gotcha
1: so I was I was going to counter back on that with like so you said no hardware so no no barrel swivels, uh no no t TA clips because nope. just, you're just trying to avoid them biting anything that's shiny as we would
3: bite right? So- uh, that, and, and sometimes when they're leader shy, I feel like if they see something that's a little off, you know, it might make a difference. Mm-hmm. Um, then at the same time, though, no, to play devil's advocate against myself, a lot of guys use deadly dicks for them. And they yep. come with a barrel swivel ahead of them and everything, and they get plenty of bites. Yeah, I just feel like anything to eliminate them shying away, the better
1: gotcha well that's
2: some
3: super great advice
2: and you're about. not worried about twists and you're you don't get your leader all twisted up sometimes with the cast or uh, a little
3: bit um sometimes you know before i make another cast like unless i'm seeing fish if i'm waiting to make another cast i'll just let it dangle and it'll twist a, you yeah. know untwist itself a little but i've never really had a problem with line twists all
1: right so we're i like stuff. it yeah very minimalist. They're super minimalist and he, he catches fish he proves it so being a minimalist we we'll always catch fish Bob we don't have to bring the whole bag I wish, yeah, like when I, fished, I, wish I
3: could when do I that. Fished, <laughs> when I fish the form, I wear like a bucktail pouch mm-hmm. uh, with I don't know maybe like three soft plastics two of each size T-hex that I talked about and then maybe like two or three epoxy jigs with like a spool of, spool or two of fluoro hanging off it. And that's it and my pliers I thought, you no were plug bag, just, no, I thought you
2: were just about to double down Matt and be like, I carry a bucktail pouch, all hexes, nothing else in there. That's almost. It. <laughs> almost.
1: <laughs> see, that's why, that's why he could run up and down the beach so fast chasing them with just like nothing on him. Me, I'm running here. I got a big surf bag on my backside and I'm running up and down the
3: beach and I'm breathing all hard. Yeah. Yeah. Some, sometimes I'll throw like a popper in there, uh, in case I see bluefish or something else. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah it's, it's just the bucktail pouch sometimes a casting egg with a teaser but i don't, I don't use that too much
2: yeah right, see so, i have the fly fishing mentality though because i mean I'll, I'll just talk about surf fishing here because i have this fear like i'm gonna go up there for albies but all that's gonna be around is bass and i'm gonna have nothing for bass and then i go up there for bass and all i see is albies and it's so i just carry everything all the time like a fool well, it's okay. Um, it's okay, yeah, it's, okay. I, if, if it's okay. You
1: guys have a boat. You guys could just stash it somewhere, right? Yeah. But, uh,
3: well, it's 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 okay to carry all that if you're okay with carrying it. But I mean, but I'm not. If I'm, <laughs> I'm <laughs> <laughs> but I have to. <laughs> uh, you know, if I'm if I'm making long walks in the sand, I mean, the less I carry, the better. Even bass fishing, I only fish a, a two two plug bag. That's gotcha.
1: So location and structure, like. Like what? What are we looking for? I mean, you can't just you just I guess you can't just randomly just say, well, I'm gonna hit this beach and look. Or like, do you have to start the day? Do you have an idea of like, you know, how deep of water you're looking
3: for, or bars, or any of that? Um, Yeah. So I mean, deeper water is always better. Um, I've probably caught almost as many on random beaches as I have like specific set ones that are like more popular spots. Mm-hmm. Um one of the best days I've ever had in the surf. Uh I was bass fishing with a friend of mine at night, well, early morning in the dark. Um it got light out, we switched over to fluke and before we knew it, albies were busting everywhere and it was just on like a random beach. Um I mean they were they were chasing bait into the sand. They were practically beaching themselves. Um, you know, but there's there's the couple hot spots that I mean for the most part everyone knows. i w I won't mention, but yeah. uh they're they're deeper, they have moving water, you know, there's bait coming in and out. Um, and that's that's really key. I mean the, the bait is key, of course. Um, but moving water. Moving water.
1: So, all right, and same thing for boat and kayak guys, like. Like what are we looking for as as you know r- running our boats looking up and down the beach like what are we keen in on looking around just to have the opportunity of like where they might show up.
3: Uh, so I mean, with the boat for the most part, uh, for me, for me running my own boat this year, uh, well last fall, I'm coming out of manasquan Inlet, so I have to decide whether I want to make a left or a right. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes I go one way and then I turn around and go back the other way. My biggest fear uh, right there that's the choice yeah that's the choice yeah um you get that feeling in your gut like if you didn't decide ahead of time like oh which way do i go it Um, it
2: happens it i mean even if i get it right i'm still second
3: guessing myself so right is it better the other way yeah exactly um you know or you have someone on the. you're like i'm gonna go to the north and you have someone on the boat like i think you should go south and you're like uh no i'm gonna go north and then you're like oh what if they were right (laughs) yeah
1: (laughs) Well, that's oh. that's the thing though. Like I noticed that last year too. Like all of us would go one way, right? And coming out the inlet, Matt would be the only one that goes the opposite direction, because Chris would be I, like, "I like I would ask Chris, i like, where'd Matt go? He's like, Matt went south, and then all of the fleet we went north looking, and then we would get so, a we would get a call from Matt be like, "Yo, I'm on him so thick right now. We're just sitting there punching each other in the face. Like we should have followed
3: him." Um. Sometimes it pays off. Sometimes it doesn't. I mean, I've, I've covered a lot of dead water just trying to stay away from people. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you guys know that you're always going to get a better bite if there's less boats. Yeah. Um, I can't stand crowds. Uh, so I do my best to avoid them. Um, but like I said, you just, you pick a direction uh, and you just, you just cover water, you know, in the boat, you're, you're not limited to, in the surf, you, you have a spot, you want deep water, you want to bait in the boat, you kind of run all over. Mm-hmm. So I'll pick a direction and I'll run a mile off and then come into the beach and then go two miles off. And we'll come into the beach. Like you're looking for birds, you're looking for fish breaking, you know, um, it's, it's not, it's harder to sneak up in them in the boat. Uh, but I mean, it's a lot easier cause you can just cover a lot of water looking for them. <laughs> you know, the kayak you're limited to like a three mile radius or so. Um, You know, so in the kayak, I'll try to launch somewhere where I know there's good water. There's, I know there's structure that's going to be holding bait. And if I don't know they're there already, like I haven't gotten any reports or seen them myself. It's just kind of like, I'm going to launch here. Fingers crossed that it pays off.
1: That's how, that's how I feel some days when I'll be fishing. It's like, uh, we're just going to go out If we get lucky. We're going to run into the mother If not, we're just going to be driving around on a, on a sunset cruise looking around
3: yeah it, it happens you know and even uh like i'll get them real good two days in a row a third day same exact conditions nothing changed and they're nowhere to be found and that's again that's part of the appeal of it you know sure. it's
1: that, that you, you can't really i guess you can't really freaking um, find a pattern right two days you're on them and third day everything looks identical and they're just not there
3: Right? Or, I mean, there's been years where we get them for two months straight. Yeah. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, one day, they're just totally gone. they just, like, vacated the area. And mm-hmm. other years, there's, like, two or three days over, like, a week period where they're around, and then the rest of the fall, they're just not there.
1: Yeah, we've, we've had those. There's years where they're everywhere, and then the years so you get one or two good days, and then that's it. They're gone. Yep. Yep. Now, is running gunning the only game or can you give us a few you know, tips and tricks to stand a better chance of finding, you know, um, finding some fish? I mean, the, I know,
3: mm-hmm. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I didn't mean to No, talk no it's just that like
1: you talked about it a little bit earlier. So, I mean, we just gonna, we're just going to run it back and just maybe add a couple more things in there if you have any just tips and tricks for people.
3: Yeah. So, uh, I mean, there's guys that troll them. Um, you know, trolling little daisy chains and stuff like that. Uh, that's not for me. I don't like trolling for anything, really. Um, but it works. Um there's uh, if you're in an area where you're seeing a lot of them, just blind cast. Like if you don't really want to chase them, or if there's like a lot of boats chasing them, just blind cast because they're still there. Uh, I mean you don't have as good of a shot as actually casting the fish, but I've got just as many blind casting as I have casting at them. Um, but running gunning is the, the exciting part. That's what everyone wants to do. You know, everyone wants to cast to a blitz or breaking fish. Um in the kayak if we're not seeing them or going at fish we're trolling a metal behind us and it's it's a slow troll i mean we're only moving between two to three miles an hour tops and we catch a lot that way too which is totally contradicting the you need to burn it in Mm
1: right that was what i think so i was gonna say so you find this you find a school fish breaking best scenario you could possibly fish frothing white water everywhere um so we get that first we blast that first cast off now do you, do you i know you covered it a minute ago but now are we skipping or we kind of just let you let it sink and kind of slow re- retrieve
3: um so i almost always let it sink at least for like two or three seconds which is hard to do when you're casting at breaking fish mm-hmm. um so if i'm on my boat or kayak or even the beach i'm gonna cast over them uh not far, but just just over them and let it sink for a little bit. So when I start ripping it, that metal is below the surface because they're pushing all that bait to the surface. Yeah. And I'd like to think that my metal is going to be between the bait and the fish. And that's going to be what, you know, the first thing that they're swimming up to. At least that's what I like to tell myself. But it, <laughs> it I've caught them skipping it across the surface. I've had them chase it, skipping it across the surface. But I've always gotten more bites with it subsurface gotcha. not deep just below the surface just below the surface man i want to
2: go back to the motor for a second because you just contradicted yourself with going ripping it in and too fast but you also said that you can catch them on the troll pretty consistently with the engine going and we had jeff cohen on a couple of weeks ago who's fly fishing for them so he's all about sneaking up to them and getting as close as possible and our other good friend joe diorio basically says motor can't be on if the motor's on you're not getting close enough um how do you how do you feel about the engine i mean do you when you run in gun at least do you do you speed up to them and then shut it off to try to coast in as close as you can or is it a or is the engine always on and you don't even care it's just they're um, h- hitting they're hitting
3: and so i try to i i typically shut it off i usually don't really let the engine run anyway um but if I see them breaking, if we're using spinning gear, I mean, you could fire off a cast pretty good. You don't have to get that close. You're not going to spook them. Now with the fly rod, uh, the way we've been successful in the boat, uh, it's just kind of shutting the engine off and waiting for them to come to you or just blind casting. Um, you know, we, I haven't had an opportunity in the boat yet, or at least running my own where like it was such a big blitz and we were all alone where I could like motor up to them. Mm. Uh, but we, We've had a, a fair amount. My buddy Wade came uh, on a trip, um, you know, where he had a bunch on the fly and I was just stopping and drifting and the boats were chasing them around and they would come up next to us and he would cast and you And know, he caught a couple, I, I don't know if it was three or four that day, um, but he got them and we were just drifting. We weren't chasing them. Um, got, like I said, guys get them trolling. We catch them offshore. I mean, you're trolling 150, 200 pound leader and these big giant, you know, spreader bars and stuff. And they're not, a, they're not shy of that, but when they come in shore and they're eating that tiny little rainfish, they're like, they're like a totally different fish.
2: I feel like there's no rules, but then there's
1: lots of rules. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Well, it's, it's just like anything. As soon as you think you have it figured out, you're, you're right. dead wrong.
1: Yep. That's exactly what fishing is all about. You think you haven't figured out and uh,
3: nope, they change it on us yep i can't tell you how many days i've brought people out like everything is perfect today we're gonna smoke them it's like the dead sea (laughs) or i go out like with no ambition whatsoever and have like one of the best days i've ever had so it's you know no no one told the fish the rules they're gonna do whatever they want
1: exactly so once you get connected with that very first one like what are you expecting and how do you keep from losing it because there's a lot of mistakes, a lot of novices they do once they hook their very first one, because their adrenaline is rushing. They're like, they're freaking out because they got their first album on the line.
3: Right, so I, a mistake I made a lot in the beginning, you know, you first hook them, and they're dumping line on you, they're screaming line, and you're like, just looking at it, like, oh, there it goes, there it goes. But just as quick as they do that, they turn around and come mm-hmm. right back at you. And you got to real quick to keep up with them and keep that bend in the rod, or they're just going to shake the hook. Um that's typically when people lose them. I know that's when I lose them. Um, so you just, you gotta be ready for them to, to come right back at you. Um, and they, you know, they switch direction a lot. Like, you know, you just gotta be ready to walk around the boat if needed or bring it around the bow or your kayak or whatever. Um, I'll tell you, I lose a lot less in the surf when I hook them in the surf. They don't typically charge the beach uh, and you don't have to worry about them walking you around the boat or anything like that um so that's that's where people make a mistake you know when they they get all excited with that run you know dump in line and then all mm-hmm. of a sudden they're charging Slap. it you know everything, straight goes, everything you. goes slack and they don't know what they're doing they're lost right and the fish is still there for the time being but you yeah. gotta you gotta catch back up to them
1: sometimes albie reminds me of bonefish you know like i've never done that yeah mm-hmm. like like i I've, I've hooked into a bonefish on a fly it just feels exactly like it as soon as that you hook them They'll dump 100 yards, 100 yards, fifths, get you down to your backing. And all of a sudden, they'll turn direction and start charging you. And then, especially on a fly reel, it's like, it's in, it's in, it's not possible to get all your line back just as fast as the fly reel. So You're right. sitting there cranking, and all of a sudden, they stop, and then they go left. They dart left, and they dart right. I'm just like, it's that's what it feels like to me when Albie
3: Fish feels just like Bonefish. Yeah, they're just, they're just real erratic. Um, and I'll, I'll tell you what, I love... I love the, the take and the hook set on the fly rod, but I don't like fighting them on the fly rod. Like you said, like that one-to-one retrieve when they're mm. charging at you, like, I mean, it, it's cool and all, but like me personally, I'll get like the the days where I've been into them on the fly. I get like one or two and I'm like, ah, eh, I'm going back to spin gear. Uh, you know, it's cool to do it. And like I said, I love that, that take when you're stripping Ask and that nice. strip yeah. set. Yeah. But then at that point I'm like, all right, <laughs>
1: now it's gonna take forever now it's gonna take forever to get this fish i up. don't know matt you're breaking my heart right now there's nothing better <laughs> than being ripped
2: into your into your backing and then having to right, catch but, up i mean that's that's but, the best part
3: getting, of it getting it all back when they're charging at you and then they do it again like like i said it, it's the first one or two is cool and then uh I, me personally i mean i know Listen. guys that won't target them on spin gear like i said my buddy wade that came mm-hmm. he would not touch a spinning rod he only wanted to do it with the fly rod yeah uh buddy peter out in montauk uh he's a guide out in montauk i mean he'll use spinning gear once in a while but for the most part he's fly only you know like i said it's cool to get a couple that way and then me 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 anyway i mean (laughs) i'll get a couple and then all right back to spinning gear
1: i could see it i could see it. if i could land one or two on a fly i'll be like okay if it takes me more than like half hour to land him i'm like no i could have landed like six more fish on spin yeah, so. and
3: if you're on a boat with other people that don't fly fish,
1: yeah, it's you know, you could be though.
3: watching fish break a hundred yards away, and you're like, "Nope, sorry, guys, you got to wait." <laughs> you know, um, so those are,
2: those are not real friends. You need to lose those friends.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I have way more friends that fish <laughs> conventional gear than fly gear. I'm but...
1: sure. All right, so we already landed this fish. We already taken our our, our trophy photo shots. What's the best technique for releasing them? Everyone has their own, but,
3: I mean, a lot of us do Uh, it. Mostly, I mean, what you see people do online, hand under the belly, hand on the tail, and just, like, kind of shoot them into the water head first. Dump them. Uh, Give
1: them that that burst. Yeah, it's it's the
3: same thing with any, like, tuna. We do the same. Albies. uh, It's all kind of the same. And I I don't think I've ever done that and didn't have one take off. Um, I... I felt like I had one that was like whooped one time, and tried like reviving it, and then like kind of just shoving it along in the water, and I watched it like sink to the bottom, and I was like, "Yeah, I'm never doing that again." Mm. Like dunked head first, and off they go. Yep. So, what's what you take on eating them? Yeah. So I, I tried one raw one time,
2: right on the water.
3: No. Oh really? Oh uh, no. Uh, <laughs> so. My, my buddy, Jan, that I kayak fish with, uh, he's one that, I mean, taught me a lot about Albies. He shoved me off on my first ever surf launch. He's always eaten some here and there. Uh, and he had one that was, you know, hooked deep. It was gushing blood. And he's like, I'm going to eat a little bit of it before I just throw it back. to Die. Do you want to try it? I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll try anything twice. Uh, I'll try that once. <laughs> that never no again. I, I couldn't even swallow it. Um and I, I mean this was like right off the fish it wasn't cold it wasn't you know wasn't prepared anyway um but I couldn't even swallow it
2: unreal I think they're fine swallow. I don't think they're really Bob you you try yeah, them I, you've been okay with raw them? I mean, or I, cooked they're like oh uh, raw I've eaten them mostly in Florida actually I don't know if it makes a difference but there's a lot of them in Florida um and they're fine I mean we catch them off the beach we'll take them back and some will use for shark bait and some will just sashimi though no no big deal they're fine
3: yeah i don't know like i said i i couldn't even like i said it was it was right off the fish rinsed in the ocean salt water and you know maybe yeah. that was it uh, you know maybe if it was sliced real thin and dipped in soy sauce maybe i'd feel different uh <laughs> but I, I don't care enough to try it again <laughs> so what's Fair been your... i've never tried cooking one <laughs> so what's been your biggest Albi to date landed you've ever um we have some pretty big ones offshore like Mm -hmm. i said i don't like to count them they're like kind of like a nuisance um but we've had you know upper teen size albies offshore that like you think are small bluefin when they first hit um but inshore uh i don't weigh any of them but i've had some that were like around 10 pounds close to 10 pounds which are pretty big um you know most of them I'm sure plenty of people will tell you, oh, they had 10, 15-pound albies, but most of them are under 10 pounds. Uh, but I've had some that were, you know, really shaped like a blown-up football, like real fat, and, you know. But most of them are on the smaller side, 6, 7 pounds. Gotcha. This is still good, good-sized fish, though, by Oh, Yeah. So now
1: we're getting close to our end and our guests, you know, they always love a great story and you said you were going to save us a great story for the near the end, whether it be a great story or just, it, which is Bobby's favorite. If it's a really bad ending
3: story, you like, we, we love them both. So. Yeah. So the, well, I kind of mentioned it before, but we had talked about it the other day when I told you what I hooked and I didn't yeah. get into the story. Um, I mean, I could sit here and tell stories for hours, but this just happened last week. Uh, so I took my sister and her daughter, my niece out, her daughter is four. And I had my son and daughter who are seven and five. And now I've learned the last couple of years to always have a popping rod on the boat. I don't care if you're running up the beach and staying a hundred yards off the beach. Like you always have a popping rod on the boat. Cause you just randomly see bluefin almost all year. Um, And I never have a chance to use it. I never see them when I'm prepared for them. Um, So I had one. We're running up the beach. We're on like a whale watching trip, pretty much looking for whales or dolphins. Like my sister's never seen anything like that before. But I had fluke rods. I had sea bass rods, like kind of prepared for anything. So I see some birds and I pull up and there's what looks like Albie's crashing. So I get a rod out, fire off a cast, they're gone. And, uh, they were definitely on the smaller side, but they, it was, so I'm like, all right, well, there's something around, let's keep running and, you know, maybe we'll see them again. So I run about another mile and off in the distance, like Northeast of me, about a mile off the beach, I see more birds. So I pull up and I don't really see anything, but the birds are interested in something. So I fire off a metal and as I'm ripping the metal through something big pushes water. And I was like, oh, yo, maybe it was a dolphin. Maybe it was a dolphin. And then I see another one and I see like the like the second dorsal, like I guess like the, the sickle fin or whatever. Yeah. And I like almost couldn't breathe. We're like I said, we're a mile off the beach. Uh my son has been begging to go tuna fishing, but it's it's still a lot for him. So he hasn't come. So I'm like, those are tuna, those are tuna. And my son he goes, Yes, yes. Like just starts losing his mind. So now I'm ripping a metal through with like 20 pound floral. So I get that in as quick as possible. I grab the popping rod. Now they're gone. I don't see them. Birds are broken up. I'm like, all right, let's just hang for a minute. I know you want to see whales and dolphins, but these tuna this close to the beach. I mean, I was, I was trying to explain to my sister. I'm like, there's guys that spend entire seasons, sometimes numerous seasons, never even see them, let alone have a shot at them. I'm like, so we're going to give it a couple minutes. And as I'm explaining that to her, I see like two birds back to the south a little bit. So I go down there, I see one bunker jump out of the water, then a second bunker, and then I see like a swirl on top. So I was like, oh, they're, they're here, they're here. And I fire off a cast. And it wasn't that far off the bow. I fire off a cast. I'd say about a, my sixth or seventh pop, maybe like 30 feet off the boat, a bluefin just smokes this giant popper, like fish out of the water. I was saying it was like 100 pounds. All my friends I was talking to that have more experience than me, they're like, bro, those fish eating bunker are like 200 plus. Like that wasn't a 100 pound fish. Giant. So smokes it. My son's yelling, losing his mind. All the kids were at the bow with me. They all saw this tuna eat like right off the bow. Um, And I come back on, I set the hook. And again, I'm like, that's a tuna. That's a bluefin. That's a bluefin. Like I can't even speak. Now in real shallow, those fish are real erratic because they can't dive. Yeah. So they go one way, then they go the other way. Like like we are talking about the Albies, but now yeah. times a hundred. Um, so my sister who had fished as a kid with my father and stuff like I did, she's caught fluke and some bluefish. I asked her if she wanted the rod. Cause I was like, I want to drive the boat. I want to keep this fish off the bow where it's open. Don't want, you know, like, so I go, she goes, Oh yeah, yeah. Give it to me, give it to me. She's never caught anything like that before. So I go to hand her the rod. And I should have known right away, she grabbed the rod below the reel, like the butt and tried to like tuck it under her arm. Oh, and I was no. like, no, 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 Like took her hand, put it above the reel, like on the fork grip, put the rod butt like into her hip. And uh, as I'm doing that, I see the rod slacking off. And I'm like, he's coming towards you. He's coming towards you. Reel, real, 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 Like you got to keep up, catch up to it. So she's reeling. I get to the wheel and I notice the fish is going under the boat to the other side. Again, having never caught anything like that, she just stands still. She doesn't follow it around the bow. So I go to spin the boat in reverse to get her back off the front. But the fish had already wanted the boat. And like I said, she didn't know to put the rod in the water or whatever. It broke us off on the bottom of the boat. Oh. Uh, like soon as she came tight again, she now she got around to the front, but it had already rubbed. And when it broke off, it was maybe twenty feet off the side of the boat just thrashing on top just kind of like one last like f you as it as it you know swam away and I just remember like almost literally dropping to my knees just going like no 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 like over and over again and my sister's like well just you know like let's see if we can get another one I'm like no you don't understand like you don't understand what just happened like and uh so I like, explained it to her and I, I had more stuff. So I re-rigged, of course, we never saw him again. Um, and I so that was last Thursday. So it was a week ago. I've literally lost sleep over that fish. Um, and I mean the odds were stacked against me. We had beanbags on the deck. We had little kids walking around the boat, you know? So even if I kept the rod in my own hands with no one driving the boat, I don't know if I would have been able to land it, you know, it probably would have stayed on a little longer, but, um, Dude, that was a heartbreaker. I don't think I've ever been so heartbroken over a fish before. I mean, hooking it's half the battle. Everyone I talked to was like, dude, you got a bite. That's huge. And I'm like, yeah, but I didn't land it. (laughs) You know? And uh, and that would have been the first tune on my boat since I had it. So like the first one could have been like with my kids and my niece, Mm. like and and big, like my son's never, you know, my kids have never seen a fish that big in person. Like, and a that giant, and a giant
1: too, and a giant. Yeah. First one being a giant. Yeah, I mean, like you said, guys, a mile been, off the beach. Yeah, guys have been
3: fishing for years to get that be- that beach bite, and I was right. So I said, I'm, at, at this point, I'm psyched. I got the bite, and my kids got to see tuna rolling on top and blowing up on a popper. You know, right. like. Like I said, my son was losing his mind. Yeah, like, the fact yeah, the fact psyched. that I
1: I, I would have gave anything just to sit there and watch your son lose his mind seeing this first tuna take on a popper. Yeah.
3: Now I mean, I wish I could have had the camera out, but I wasn't ready for that. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Um but just like I said, I just I could still hear it in my head, him just going like, Yes,
0: yes. And yes! like, just
3: screaming. <laughs> uh so he he was psyched. So that was cool. But uh man, that that fish is a heartbreaker. I could still picture it eating the popper like as if it's happening right now. Man. Well, what popper yeah, did you that, throw at him? Uh, I was throwing the big Chug Norris from Nomad. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it moves a lot of water. It's, it's, it's big. It's like a 10-inch popper or something. It's got the huge cup on the front, so it throws a lot of water. And like I said, when that fish ate, I mean, it, it was 30 feet off the bow. You know, and this... Whether I say 100 or my friends say 200 or 300, whatever it was, practically going airborne on it next to the boat and just like pure white water, you know, and I hooked it. yeah. For, um, those, for
1: those that have never seen a bluefin air out, uh, it sounds like an airplane.
3: Like it scares the crap out of you being right next to your it's And boat. it's just it's so much white water, you know, like and when they hit close like that, like my heart's racing thinking about it. <laughs>
1: <Cool. clears throat> well, that was a super good story. Super um, good. Definitely. One of the best, one of, one the, of best the best, on our cast. Yeah. one of the best, and you're definitely not going to forget that ever.
3: <laughs> yeah, still, my, my sister is still apologizing to me. She's like, "I'm so sorry." I'm like, "Listen, <laughs> it is what it is." Like my friend who fishes, he's experienced and he has experienced crew. He's hooked six of those over like the last like two years and hasn't landed a single one. So, you know, that's and that's with experienced crew, someone experienced at the wheel. So like I said, the odds were against me and she felt really bad, but I was like, you know what? It's not your fault. Kind of is, but it it is what it is. Like I probably would have ended up losing it at some point, you know, also. Yeah. Um, but man, I can't stop
2: thinking about it. (laughs) Well, Matt, I'm going to let qua close up here. It's been great talking with you. I actually have to run to another meeting, but uh, that story is probably going to disturb me for my entire next meeting actually. So (laughs) not a lot going to be done. Uh, but it's great meeting you. Great for the advice. Thanks for all of that.
3: Um, yeah, no problem. Was, uh, we will be up blessed. at the shore sometime. Yeah, yeah, I'll be around. All right, guys, tight lines. All right, Bob, see you later. See ya.
1: All right, well, since Bob's leaving and I'm handling the show by myself for the end of this, so um, what are your top three bucket lists that you haven't already uh, knocked out?
3: Uh, so i couldn't necessarily pick them in order but mm-hmm. i definitely have like three uh one is a giant halibut in alaska i love fluke fishing and that is like the epitome of like you Doormat. know a giant epitome fluke of,
1: epitome of right
3: uh you know i'm not talking like 50 pounders i want like a 200 pound you know
0: the one, the um, ones you got
3: to jump in the water take a photo with them right right uh that's always been since i was a kid um more recently probably in like the last 10 years i discovered golden dorado like mm. south america oh yeah those are near the top uh and not that i have to fly fish for anything but i want one of those on the fly uh i don't know if you've seen videos of them they jump a lot they're super aggressive like, yeah, well, and they're cool that. looking fish um and i want a gt from the rocks a giant trevally from the rocks like, I don't want to like, do it on boat. I want like, to like
1: be... like in those videos from like Brook season them from and from Australia. right, like the morning tide guys. Absolutely. Yeah, They're the, cli- the ones that are cli- like, off the cliffs I and want to shit. Do that. <laughs> like, hey, yeah. I don't want- hold on, Matt. Let me hold on to your belt before you get dragged into the water by this. Right.
3: They do in Hawaii, they do in Australia. Like that's that is up there also. Those three, absolutely top three.
1: Yeah, I know. I know Bobby that just signed off. Bobby, he's headed up to the She Shells next season for his honeymoon.
3: Oh, so, yeah. 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 He's, he's oh, my, my wife right. would not, my wife wouldn't go for that because she wouldn't see me all week.
1: <laughs> that wouldn't be a honeymoon. It would just be her and no. herself just
3: hanging by the pool. Yeah. Pretty much. That's <laughs> that, that would be like a bucket list trip too. all the stuff that's out there. There's yeah. so much to fish for. Yeah. Those
1: monster triggers they have, those like, right. Those crazy fishes, they, all sorts of stuff back there. Um, also that would, that would kind of ask, kind of, run us into our next question too like if you could go anywhere in the the world of fish where would it be and what species would it be
3: um i mean i guess you know one of those three i just named um honestly as much as i would like to do the other two probably more it would (laughs) probably be alaska for the halibut Mm -hmm. um you know the other two are more tropical places whatever but me and my wife have always like when we can afford like a real good like vacation not like a four-day trip to Florida or whatever like we're going to Alaska like that is it um so that's probably what I would have to do for for more than just the fish but uh yeah that's you know that's somewhere we we really want to go it's on the list yeah definitely and it's it's a little bit more reasonable than going like South America or Australia or something like that
1: yeah yeah so that helps (laughs) Yeah. One of our guys called me the other day and said if I wanted to do a, uh, a trip to the, the, the Amazon to do peacock bass, he said, a tri- Oh, I'd like love that. that. Yeah, he said a trip like that's around like seven grand or something for a single person for yeah. like five
3: days. Yeah. I I've seen, so I've seen people post, like they do like group trips Yeah, where it's a little bit cheaper um, and they target like those huge catfish, like red tail catfish yeah. and stuff, peacock bass, like, Arapaima, like all the stuff that's down there, Uh, and it's a little cheaper than that. Uh, But I mean, you're going with a bunch of people you don't know. Yeah, you know, which I don't know how someone might feel about that.
1: Yeah, some people uh, are uncomfortable.
3: Some people are okay with it. So I feel like the trip, other than airfare, the one I saw a few years ago, I want to feel like it was like three grand a person for like seven days, not not including your air, not including your airfare. So then you had to get a flight. That was like lodging, guides, boats, everything.
1: Oh, that's like, so for, like
3: five, for like for like seven people oh that's not bad at all then right you just have to be willing to go with total strangers
1: yeah <laughs> or or find seven of your friends that just randomly like right. to spend that much money and go even better yeah right i mean i know i like i know chris and them though those guys they always get like a mini trip together with a couple guys they go down to like mexico for like brewster fish and stuff yeah off the surf so yeah
3: and you know that trip's not insanely expensive either they mm-hmm. they they uh they do it for like a pretty fair price. Yeah, I was going to go one year, but I, I didn't have my passport and I just, you know, it just, it just fell through, but I was really considering it. I yeah. almost went.
1: I mean, it, I mean, it's pretty cool though. A couple of days of surf casting, you get jump on four wheelers and just drive it up and down the beach until you see rooster fish. And yeah. Casting pool. yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, cool. This is uh this is the end where we start wrapping up. Uh, let our listeners know where they're going to find you on social media, you know, uh, your YouTube channel if you're still going to start putting up more videos on there, you know, any of that kind of stuff.
3: All right, um, I mean, my YouTube's just my last name with an X, it's Farrell X. Um, I've never been like a YouTuber. Mm-hmm. I don't post weekly. I don't I mean, I don't think I posted a video since those bluefin in December. Yeah. Um, and it's August. Yeah. Um, well, September today. Um, but uh, you know, I post videos on there once in a while. I don't really promote them. I do it I like the editing process so I do it for myself and if my you know my friends like it whatever but you can check the videos out videos out on there. there's a lot um I have a page just for fishing on Instagram and Facebook it's M Farrell fishing um where I just post you know video clips and pictures on there uh the I like the are, photography the... side of it yeah that, I like the that's... underwater photography and you know like so I like to show that stuff it's it's not just hey look at me with a fish you know like I like to try to get some you know good shots yeah i was
1: gonna say like i i, I always check out your photos there's some of them marks are some incredible photos, especially the underwater shots those are like thank you yeah really good man i like them so um, thank you all right um besides that uh matt thank you man thank you for you know spending giving giving up a kind of fluke day just to hop on with me talk a little bit nah, that's not- all
3: right <laughs> <laughs> That's no big deal. I, I I've been looking forward to this. I know we talked about it for a while. So yeah,
1: yeah. Just waited for the Abu season to kind of roll around to get you in on it. You know, and,
3: yeah, you know Hopefully we'll bring
1: it's once, pretty once much you, here. So mm-hmm. so once you figure out this whole tuna thing, you know, we're gonna bring you
3: back for a tuna session. Yeah, I uh, like I said, I've been pretty serious about it for a couple years now, and we've we've done pretty well, and you know, have had some really good jig and pop bites and some chunk bites, and you know. Uh, getting there I haven't done it on my own boat yet but I'm, I'm getting there yeah
1: well hopefully hopefully i'll be able to get out there with you sometime this season get a session in see how it all yeah, goes Yeah. let me know yep definitely. let me know uh once again thanks it was an honor to have you on buddy um i'm gonna stay on a couple minutes i'm gonna do an outro and then uh pretty much that's about it well once again tight lines uh i'll see you in the water one of these days yep sounds good thank you again yep you got it see you later Matt. all right see ya. All right, there you go, ladies and gentlemen. Another sharpie from our home waters of New Jersey. Like I said, I've been following Matt for a very long time on his social media, especially his Instagram. He puts out some incredible photos. You know, on the photo side of things, underwater shots. It's some of his stuff are pretty much amazing. Um, but he's also at the same time an incredible fisherman. Whether it become whether it's fluke, albies. Striped bass, tuna. He does it all, and he does it all for the love of it. Now, he gets his kids, his family involved, his friends. He's just a super fishy dude. And, you know, that's, that's what our podcast is all about. We love to bring guys like that onto the podcast, tell their side of the story, what their obsession is. Um, but besides that, this is going to be wrapping it up for the uh, the East here up in New Jersey. Um, Once again, if you guys have or have someone or can recommend someone that's super, very interesting and fishy like Matt is, uh, feel free to shoot us a message or an email uh, at tachesis at gmail.com. We'll be able to uh, set you up, get you on a date here on the uh, podcast. Uh, If you haven't already done so, make sure you follow us, like subscribe to us on our social media on Facebook and also on Instagram. And also give us uh, a great review on the Apple podcast. You know, reviews to get us very far in this industry. And that's pretty much about it. Um, Besides that, once again, ladies and gentlemen, get out there this weekend, catch fish, and keep those lines tight. And we'll see you on the next episode.
0: It's a Winchester life. Yeah, baby. 6'8 Western. A mule there, baby, right there.
3: Tune in every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV.